And I hope you're smiling because that's how a lot of us feel, um, and you're allowed to feel like that. And when we talk about finance um, or money, um, often it's a little bit edgy. But as I said last week, so often we think that talking about money in church, it's because it's in church that it gets a bit scratchy and edgy. But the truth is, if we're really honest, we also get irritated and edgy when we talk to our spouse about money. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely, and, and other people. So it's not a church thing, it's a people thing, but it's an important thing. And, um, and we said this last week that really this is about a battle for your heart. So not only is Mandy trying to get my attention that actually I'm missing something around the heart here, but God wants your attention because everything about this series is about your heart and about my heart. And, and we said this, that God is after your heart. He doesn't need your money, but he's after your heart, but he's not the only one that's after your heart. There's this other guy, this false god of mammon, of money, if you want to call his name, mammon, and Jesus says this, where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be, and, and we know this to be true. I find it very easy to spend money on my wife and my children, and spearfishing, because that's important, but the, the reality is that, that if you look at where we spend and where we put our money, we'll, we'll get an idea of where our heart is, and um, you have God on one side who wants something for you. Because he has given you so much and, he came, and Jesus came to give life and freedom and blessing and, and, and provision and abundance. On the other side, you've got this, this, this power, this influence, this, this false god of, of, of money that wants to enslave. You see, you have an enemy and I have an enemy and his goal is this, is to, to steal, to kill and to destroy. And where finance should be a blessing in our lives, so often it's a stress. And, and, and really what... What our heart is as we, as we talk about bank on God is we want, we want to see freedom, we want to see blessing, we want to see people live enjoying what God's given you and using it the way God's intended you to use it. And so it's quite simple. Jesus says, he doesn't say that you shouldn't serve God and this, and this, money, this money God. He says you can't. It's one or the other. And so we spoke about this last week. We said that if to, to, be, to come out from under that influence, to walk in freedom in, in this and not to be influenced there, there's a system. You can't just wish it. You can't just will it. You know, we, we spoke about this in our dream small in terms of establishing good habits and, and, and good ways. You've actually got to have a strategy. You've got to have a system. And God has a system for us. And step one in the system is what we spoke about last week is to tithe. And what is a tithe? Tithe is 10% of your income. It's, 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 giving, it's, it's entrusting part of what God's given to you to someone else to manage in terms of being the local church. That's where we bring it. How often do we bring it? Well, whenever you receive income, okay? If it's monthly, then it's monthly. If it's annually, then it's annually. But we, we, it's a very specific purpose. It's 10% that we give to our local church. And the writer of Proverbs says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then you will find, then you will fill, sorry, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. And as I read that, some of you just heard good wine, okay? Well, it's good, obviously, um, but God, it's more than this, it's more than just physical. God wants to bless you. And, and step one is to, as we begin to tithe, we, we respond to an invitation. This is not a command thing, this is an invitation that God says, I'm inviting you into a system that'll lead to freedom and blessing and, and, and everything else that I have for you. It's step one in that. Step two is what we want to speak about today, and it's this thing called stewardship, or, or becoming a good money manager. Because the way we think about money is important. 
And God has some real thoughts about the way we think about money because the way we think about it so often is what causes us to become a slave and ensnared and to not enjoy what God has given us, and he's given us much. So remember this. This is so important. This is a trust issue. When we talk about money, it's always a, it's talking, it's trust, it's relational. Really, we could call this a relational series because it's a relationship between you and God. It's your relationship with money, but it's, it's trust in, this, in the sense that we put our trust and our hope in God as our provider. We said this last week, God says that I care about the birds a lot, and so they don't have to sow, nor reap, nor store up in barns, and they never worry about where their provision's coming from. He says, how much more valuable are you? How much more valuable of you, are you? You see, we don't have to stress and worry about that, because God said, I will provide for you. That's our starting point. That's our foundation. It's trust God. The other part of it, the trust part, is that we would become trustworthy with everything that God has put in our care, not just money, everything. And God's saying, would you be one of those that, that I can trust? And that's what we want to talk about today. And so I, I want to use a parable that's a very misunderstood parable in the Bible that Jesus gave. It's found in Luke chapter 16. Jesus told the story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him and said, what's, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now, what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. I just love this guy's honesty. He's like, I don't really want to get my hands dirty here. But um, anyway, he's, he is in a, in a bit of a pickle. And then he realizes, oh, I know how to ensure that I'll, I'll have plenty of friends who, give me, who will give me a home when I am fired. He suddenly comes up with a plan. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of, oil, of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. He's not the most honest character. But then listen to this. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it's true that the children of this world are far more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and you will love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The Pharisees who dearly loved them, their, their money heard all of this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. This is always a heart issue. But this world honors, sorry, what this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. You see, here's the thing. Jesus tells the story because the Pharisees love money. And, and, and he's saying this. He says the things that most people think are so valuable, so important, and the things that we give our lives to are not the things that are valuable, important to God. John talks about this. He says what the world offers is this craving for physical pleasure and, and pride in our positions and our achievements. He says that's, that's not what God values. 
That's not what God values. Jesus is not praising this manager because he is dishonest. He's praising him because he's shrewd. And to be shrewd simply means that this guy's sharp. He's wide awake. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's aware of what's going on. He recognizes the problem. He finds a solution and he acts on it. And that's what, that's what Jesus is, is, is honoring here. You see, friends, this is not a giving talk this morning. It's not a tithing talk this morning. It's really not. God wants you to become biblically shrewd with what he's given you. He really does. This is what Jesus is saying. So here's the thing. If we recognize that everything's from God, that God provides for us, and that we need to be trustworthy, that we need to be good stewards, then there's some things that we, we shouldn't do with our money. These are things you shouldn't do with your money. First is, don't waste your money. Don't waste your money. Verse 1 said, one day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. This is what got the master's attention. If we recognize that everything we've got is God's, we'll be less inclined to waste it. Because when we waste money, you're not wasting your money or my money or somebody else. You're wasting God's money. So don't waste it. The second is don't love it or live for it. Don't love it or live for it. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. If you love it, if you live for it, you'll become its slave. And instead of money being a slave to you, it'll become your master, and it's not a good master. So don't, live, don't love it or live for it. You see, the heart of the matter is your heart, and Jesus is interested in your heart. How's your heart this morning? He wants to be number one. The third thing that we shouldn't do with our money is don't trust money for security. This guy loses his job, and he ends up stressed out. Now, this is something that so many South Africans and many of you sitting here today are wrestling with, retrenchment or unemployment on some level for some reason. And I want to pray for us in a moment because I really believe God wants to intervene and God wants to help you and wants to provide for you because work is honorable. But friends, don't find your security in anything outside of God. If you find your security in your looks, I've got bad news. They're going to fade. Don't look around, but they're going to fade, okay? <laughs> Nobody here. Everybody's still gorgeously good looking, but that's the reality. Don't look to your health. If you find your security in your health, it can change quickly, and many of us know that. Many of us know that. Don't find your security in your relationships, in your marriage, or your business partnership, or your friendships, because those things can change. We've got an incredible marriage. I want to tell you that Manz and I have been deeply challenged over the, our 28 years of marriage where we've, we've begun to become overconfident in this. And we've had to be reminded that, hang on, our confidence needs to be in God, not in each other or in what we share. And least of all, don't find security in money. The writer of Proverbs says this, in the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. <laughs> Man, haven't we seen that happen? The fourth thing that we shouldn't do with money is don't expect it to satisfy you. Please, friends, don't expect it. You'll just set yourself up for disappointment over and over and over again. The writer of, of, of Ecclesiastes, definitely the wisest, wealthiest king of Israel, he writes this. He says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Jesus puts it like this. He says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Isn't that true? You see, you are not valued by your assets and your wealth and your bank balance. That is not your value. Your value is this, that Jesus gave his life for you. Your value is who you are and whose you are. You belong to God. 
You're made in the image of God. You're an image bearer of, of God. That is, there's, there's no, nothing on this earth that can assign a greater value to you or to me than that. So let's not look to money to satisfy us. So if we're going to be good stewards, if, we, if we're not going to do those things, then what should we do? What, what does a good steward look like? Well, here's some things we need to know. And my prayer for us, because these things are things we've heard many times, but my prayer for us is that, that these things would become a greater revelation for you and for me. And I want to tell you that God's been working this stuff out through in my, my life. You can ask my wife as I've been preparing, and, and I love it. And it's been challenging, but it's helpful. The first thing is this, that it does actually all belong to God. It does actually all belong to God. Some of us believe that, some of us don't. And it's, been on, it's on loan to us, it's on loan to you, what you have. Some have much and some have less, but it's all on loan. It all belongs to God. And you see, the thing is, when that becomes a reality, it, it brings such a freedom. It changes the way we talk to God about stuff. I've learned this, that when that's a reality and I've got to pay, pay my kids school fees, I'm not saying, God, please, will you give me money because these kids, I'm saying, God, you know these kids you gave me, those kids of yours? How are we going to pay their school fees? They need to be educated. Can you help me? It changes because aren't they God's children? I mean, we give them and we say, let's dedicate them back to God. It changes the way I talk to God. When I talk to God about the car that he gave me, it's like, Lord, I don't know if you noticed, but the tires need, they're getting a bit, I need new tires. Can you help me with this? Can you give me some wisdom on how to go about this? You see, God wants to give you wisdom and understanding in a way that you'll discover the presence and the influence and the grace of God in your life and finances like we see nowhere else, but we miss this so often because we think that we are the provider. It all belongs to God. He's the provider. One day, a report comes to the master that the manager is wasting his money. My question to us is, how are you taking care of God's money? How are you taking care of what God's given you? Your body, your mind, your gifts. Are we, are we good stewards? Are we faithful? Anytime you're wasting money, you're wasting God's money. Let that become something that we remember. The second thing, truth, that we need, to, we need to take a hold of is God is using money to test me and to test you. Do you know that? He's testing me to see if I will be trustworthy because money is a great test. Jesus doesn't just give his spiritual power to anything and to anyone. There's a test. Why? Because it's too precious. There are, there are heavenly things. There are truths. There are gifts that God wants to impart. But you know what? Just like you don't just impart, you're not going to give something to somebody who's not faithful. You want to test that. And money's a test for us. It tests our faith. He first gives us money to see if we'll be trustworthy. He gives us material possessions. We think if you've got lots of material possessions, you're successful. No, God's just giving you something to see, will you be trustworthy? You're responsible for more. You see, friends, let us not forget this. Life is a, on earth is a dress rehearsal. This is not eternity. This is not the end of the road. And I'm constantly challenged because I often find myself living as if this is the beginning and the end. And I've got to remind myself that there's an eternal picture here. We've stepped into eternity that's what Jesus is speaking about in this parable. God is saying, if you'll be faithful in the little, this little thing called money, I will entrust much more to you. I will give you money, yes, but I will entrust much more to you. You see, this test will reveal three things. This is what it reveals. It reveals and it'll show you what I love most. 
money will, the test of how I steward money will show what I love most by where I spend it, because my heart will be where my treasure is. It'll show what I trust most. It really will. It'll show what I trust most. What am I trusting in? Right? of Proverbs says, trust in your money, and, go, and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. God wants to give new life. He's a generous God. But he wants us to be free. He wants us to be free. And lastly, it shows if God can trust me. It shows if God can trust me. This is not a heavy thing. This is an invitation. This is an invitation. This is not a, if you don't do it, you're going to get paid. It's none of that. This is a relational process of God saying, man, I've got so much for you. Try this. And when you can handle that, I've got more. And I've got more. This next verse is so important. Verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? See, friends, it is a test. How you handle money determines so much about who we are and our heart and our freedom and the way we think. And God's saying, I'm not interested in your heart. I'm not interested in your heart. This is just a tool. The third truth that we need to get a hold of is money is a tool to be used for God's purposes. Jesus says the love of money is the root of evil. And the reason it's, it's not money is not evil. Money is just a tool. But he's saying when, when, when we love that, we become deceived. But if we remember that it's a tool, then this next verse, really, we can begin to apply this. Jesus says, here's the lesson from this parable. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. You see, it's not just about here. Yes, money might just be for here, but it's about a bigger purpose. There's a bigger picture here. Jesus teaches us to love people and use money. The trouble is that so often we turn it around and we, we love money and we use people. Because what we've learned is this, is that if you love money, you will use people, whether you like it or not. And that's not our heart. Our heart is that we want to we love people and use money to add value to people's lives. I love the saying, money is like manure. When you spread it around, it makes things grow. When you pile it up, it begins to smell. <laughs> Isn't that so true? When you spread it around, it makes things grow. You begin to add value and there's life. But when you pile it up and you hold on to it, it'll begin to smell, it'll become a stench. Why did Jesus make this dishonest manager the hero of his story? It just doesn't make sense. I wrestled with this for a long time when I first began to read the word. He didn't, he's not celebrating his dishonesty, but what he did like is his actions. And there are three things this guy does well. The first, first thing is this, he looked ahead. He looked ahead. If we're gonna be good stewards, if we're gonna take responsibility for what God's given us, we need to look ahead. He thinks about the future. He's not just thinking about now. So many of us, we don't save well, we don't invest well, we don't manage well because we don't look ahead. This guy looked ahead very quickly and he realized, I need to make a plan here. I need to make a plan here. Proverbs 14 verse eight says, a wise man looks ahead. The fool attempts to fool himself and won't face facts. Man, when I read that, I was challenged. Mans and I have been having to face some facts in the last couple of weeks where we've been talking around our finance and saying, we know what we want and you know, it can get very emotional. But what's the reality? What's the facts that we need to face? Because a fool doesn't face facts. And friends, 
This is something Jesus honors because this guy, in looking ahead, he faces the facts. Some of us need to face some facts in our finances and it'll lead us to become good stewards and good managers. We need to live according to our wage. <laughs> we learn to live according to our wage, according to what we earn and not beyond that. The second thing he does well is he made a plan. Do you have a financial plan? Do you have a budget? These are, these are non-negotiables if you want to be a good steward. If you don't have a budget, you don't have a plan. And a budget is deciding where things are going, not wondering where they went afterwards, you know? So many of us are so surprised at the end of the month because <laughs> the month came, you know, long after the money ran out. And, and here's the thing. You might think that's practical and not spiritual. These are deeply spiritual practices. You want to see God work in your life. You want to experience the presence of God. You want to see God's grace and his favor. Begin to do this stuff. You will see God working in your life in ways that you've never seen before. I really mean that. Again, um, would you look at what God has given to you and become a good steward? Proverbs 69 says, we should make plans, counting on God to direct us. Ask God for wisdom, because he will direct you, and you will be amazed at what you will come up with. This is why we offer Financial Peace University. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you, go onto our website and go and find out, sign up. It'll cost you a bit of money, but it'll be a great investment, because it'll help you bring in order your personal finances so that you can be a good steward. The third thing this guy does, so he looked ahead, he made a plan, and then he acted quickly. He says, I'm... I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will come and give me a home when I'm, when I'm fired. This is what Jesus is commending. He looks ahead, he makes a plan, and he invests in the lives of people. He invests in the lives of people. I want to tell you this, that Mans and I would never have been able to live the life we've lived. My kids think we've lived the most adventurous, extravagant life, and you know what we actually have. But you know why? Not because of the salary that we've earned, but because God has allowed us to share our lives with people and God's provided incredibly and blessed us incredibly over and over and over again. And what Jesus is talking about here is really not just for here, but it's eternal, but it'll start here. You see, this guy had a long view and Jesus' long view is an eternal view and he invites you into that with the tithe. He invites you into that with stewardship. The fourth thing, truth that we need to take a hold of is this. Money it is used best to get people to heaven. The best use of money, the best use of money is when we invest money in, into things and into ways of introducing people to Jesus, of helping people come to faith. Jesus is saying, use your wealth to reach people so that when you come to heaven, when you enter eternity one day, there will be a crowd of people that will celebrate. And that's my, my heart. I, I don't want to be one of those that steps in there and looks around, I don't know who that guy is, you know. I want, I want to know that when, when, when I enter into to, to eternity, that there are multitudes of people that'll say, you played a part in me coming to know Jesus. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a pastor. You just need to be a good steward of what God's given you. You see, when you take some money and you sponsor somebody to do an alpha course, when you go and you, you invest into the street store and you go and serve there and you touch somebody's life with the love of Jesus, when you go and you buy a meal for somebody who needs a meal, you're investing into people's lives. And it's an eternal process. It's an eternal investment. This is what Jesus is talking about. Can I ask the band to come up? The lost truth 
well, it's not the last truth, but it's my last truth on my list that we need to get a hold of is one day you and I will give an account to God. And you know what my prayer is? Because when I say that, for some of us, we think, oh, man, it's like when I was at school. You know, I never wanted to give an account for anything because I had nothing to account for. Okay. It was never good. It was never a good invitation, okay? But God invites us, and this is my heart and my prayer, and I believe it's God's heart, that when we consider that one day we had given account, that that would excite us. That, man, we would be so fired up to say, God, I can't wait to come and lay it out and say, let's see, what did you do? What, what was the outcome of my stewardship, of my managing what you gave me? How many lives have been impacted? What caused you to smile? What, what, what glorified and honored you in this? You see, what will determine how we take that statement that we will give an account to God one day, what will determine that is how we live right now. What will determine whether that's going to be an exciting thing to look forward to or whether that's going to be a daunting thing to look forward to will be the way we present our hearts before God now, the way we budget, the way we save, the way we invest, the way we manage what God's given us. And this is God's heart for us. You see, it's not just our money, but it's everything. It's everything. It's not just about how much God has given you, but it's about what you're doing with it. You see, we look about the, the, the quantity. It's not about that. It's about using whatever God has put in your hand, whatever gift, whatever ability, whatever resource you have. It's about saying, God, I'm going to use this. I'm going to steward this. I'm going to manage it well for your honor. I'm going to love people well with what you've given me. I'm going to add value to people because you've made it possible for me to add value. I was talking to someone after the first service. They talked to me around tithing, and I said, you know what the joy of tithing is? It's not that I have to tithe. It's that I have the ability to. It's that I have the ability to. She said, I don't know. I said, are you earning any money? She said, right, not right now. I said, then you've got nothing to tithe. I said, when the harvest comes in, you tithe in it. I said, that's the joy. We lived for years where we'd get money, and then we wouldn't, then we'd get money, and, and, and we realized that, hey, when we got, we would take 10% of whatever that was. Whether it was 50 bucks or whether it was 50,000 rand, it didn't matter. But the celebration was, God, you gave me something that I can give. And it's the same way with stewardship. The master says to his manager, get your report in order. Friends, I want to say to you this morning, get your report in order before God. That's not a command because you're gonna get fired. No, that's God saying, hey, come and share in this principle, if you work the system, and it'll lead you to blessing, it'll lead you to freedom, it'll lead you to confidence, it'll lead you to peace and rest, where the very thing that God has given you won't be a burden, but it'll, it'll bring a smile and joy into your home. Paul says this, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Let that be something that we look forward to with expectation. There's a silly saying that goes like this, he who has the most toys wins. And I always thought that's the most foolish, foolish saying. But I was chatting to a friend the other day and he did a funeral and he said, you know what, that was written on the, like the guy's like memory thing, tombstone thing. And my heart just broke. I thought, can you imagine that that's what you live for? An accumulation of toys? When there's life that's been offered to us? Friends, if I'm faithful with little, God will trust me with more. Jesus said, if you're faithful with little things, Money's a little thing. You'll be faithful in large ones. So my, my question is simply this. Who's winning the battle for your heart? Who's winning the battle for your heart? Is it God? Or is it 
with this whole money thing. See, if you want to live free, then work the system that God's put in place. Start to tithe. Become a good steward. I said last week, don't just tithe, but become a tither. What does that mean? Have a, have a right attitude in the tithing. That's what allows us to enjoy the blessing of it. We're going to receive an offering in the same way that we received last week. There's going to be some people standing at the back with some baskets. And so you can get ready for that and you can consider that. But before we go there, I want to pray for us. And I want to give us a moment because I really believe this is so absolutely essential because this is not between me and you, it's between you and God. And I think there's, there's two things that we need to have a conversation with God about. And you're free to choose because this is the way God's designed us. And the two questions are this. Maybe just bow your heads for a moment. You can just bring your own heart before God. The first question is, God, I will or I won't tithe. You don't even have to justify why. Just make a decision this morning. I will or I won't. And if you've got questions, we'll keep on having the conversations until you can make that decision, whether it's to tithe or not to tithe, but with freedom and with a peace and with a conviction. And the second one is, I will or I won't be a trustworthy steward of all that you've given me. I'm gonna make a decision today. Because friends, we've got, to, we, we, we've, got to, we've got to act on something. And I'm gonna pray for us, because if you like me, then you need help with that, and I need help with that. And so Father, I thank you this morning I thank you for your grace that abounds. I thank you for your generosity. I thank you for your blessing. I thank you, Lord, that you just, Lord, you're so kind. And, I, and I'm asking, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, that whatever our decisions are, whatever truth it is that we wrestle with, Lord, would you help us to take a hold of that and not just to know it, but to live it, to experience it. And Lord, I thank you for your intervention in every financial decision that we make as a congregation, business, in our personal finances, whether it's saving or investing or getting out of debt or being generous or tithing, Lord, would you help us to find your heart and to live in absolute freedom as we surrender our heart to you. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.